listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. If you could stand with me now um, as we read today's gospel, or today's um, scripture, rather. It is actually from the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So a guy's walking on the beach, discovers an old brass lamp buried in the sand. He digs it out cleans it off, and uh, as these stories go, uh, a genie pops out and says, I'm the genie of the lamp. Uh, You can have your choice of any of these three things. You can be the most attractive person in the world. You can have limitless wealth or endless wisdom. And and the man thinks for a second, he goes, I'll take the wisdom. So the genie goes, great, wisdom is yours, disappears in a puff of smoke, and as the genie is disappearing, the man's eyes get wide, and he says, I should have taken the money. (laughs) Think about it. What would you do if you had that choice? Not the magic genie and the lamp thing, but be the most attractive person in the world, endless wisdom, limitless wealth. Maybe you choose something else, success, fame, power. What would it be? There's a scene in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 3. After King David dies, his son Solomon is going to rise to the throne and be the king in his place. And God comes to Solomon and says, ask what you would like as the new king over Israel. And Solomon says, Lord, you've made me king, but I don't know how to rule or lead. So give me a wise and discerning mind to govern your people. And I may have wisdom to distinguish between good and evil. And God is pleased. And he says, because you have asked for this, not wealth or fame, not power, not the death of your enemies, I will give you a wise and discerning mind. And I will also give you what I have not asked for, for riches and honor. As we think about what we might ask for. Think about how often we create problems for ourselves that none of those things we might tend to ask for would solve. Think of how often you've said something that you wish you could take back. How often you've needed to lovingly confront someone and you didn't. Think about times when Someone confronted you with something you needed to hear and your attitude or your words were something like, who do you think you are? Think about the times that you desperately have hoped that your parents or your friends or your spouse didn't find out about that thing that you were hiding. 
I think about times that you've kind of selfishly hoarded money to yourself instead of helping others in need, or you've foolishly spent money on something ultimately worthless. The times that you bragged about yourself to make yourself look good in front of people. The times that you didn't finish your work when you needed to because you got too distracted by something that was ultimately unimportant. Think about how often we repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again, and we don't seem to learn. What does it tell us? It tells us that we're not as wise as we think we are, and we're probably more foolish than we really want to admit. It tells us that we have real problems that more money or charm or knowledge or power success will not solve. It tells us that we are broken and we need help. We need wisdom for navigating life. Well, this morning we're beginning a new series in the book of Proverbs that we're calling The Way to Wisdom. There is a way. There's a pattern by which God has ordered the world, by which he's created us to live, and it reflects who he is and who we're supposed to be. And wisdom is that pattern. Wisdom is the goal itself. And Proverbs, then, are these usually sort statements, they're, they're very memorable, very catchy, that teach wisdom, often through a clever comparison or uh, a thought-provoking image. Uh, they're, they're meant to be memorable, they're easy to recall, and they're mostly meant to make us slow down and think, and then do something with that wisdom. Proverbs are meant to guide us in the way of wisdom. And that's the key idea for this book that we're going to be looking at and the passage that we're going to study this morning. God wants to guide us in his wisdom. There is wisdom for us, and God wants to guide us in it. And when we think about wisdom, though, we, honestly, we're probably thinking more along the lines of uh, helpful tips or insights that would help us in, in some practical way. You know, wisdom that helps me get ahead or uh, something that would uh, give me wisdom to help navigate office politics or uh, wisdom for relationships. We begin in a very different place when we seek wisdom. We, we begin with ourselves and what we want to accomplish. We ask things like, how do I get ahead? How do I get my kids to do what I want them to do? How do I find a way to be happy? And those are not bad questions. The, the Bible, in fact, actually has answers for those things. But the wisdom of Scripture is inviting us to take all of those things, all those questions, all those needs, and start by looking to the one who defines wisdom, who created happiness, who made us to know what well-being is in relationship to him. Wisdom, according to the Bible, begins with the Lord, begins with Yahweh. And following God's wisdom will make us better neighbors. It may help us sleep better at night. It might make us more financially successful, but that's not the point. That's a consequence of God's wisdom, not the goal. The goal of wisdom is not to help us look better in front of our neighbors. It's not to help us get ahead in business. It's, it's not to help us be successful or prosperous. The goal is to make us look like Jesus. The goal is to walk with God. So what does that kind of wisdom look like? 
Well, if you haven't already, go ahead and open your Bibles and turn in them to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be looking at these first nine verses, and there's three things we want to see here that, that God is saying to us. First, God says, understand the nature of wisdom. Understand the nature of wisdom. Proverbs is one of these books that's among what we call the wisdom literature of the Bible. It's, it's not history, it's not commandments, it's not prophecy. It's kind of reflections on questions like, what kind of a world do we live in? And what does it mean to live well in the world? And the bulk of this book in chapters 10 through 29 is this collection of hundreds of these wise observations. Now, chapters 1 through 9 don't begin with those Proverbs, but actually a series of speeches. They're, they're sort of reflections or uh, appeals based on the nature of wisdom. They're, they're calling us to understand what wisdom is, what it does. And those common themes show up here in verses 2 to 4. Look, look in verse 2. The Proverbs are to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. The first thing that Solomon is telling us that wisdom is about is there is this universal principle that underlies everything in the world. That wisdom is the way that God created the universe and shaped us. It's saying, you know, the, the universe has a, a grain or a pattern to it, like, like a tree, like wood, and, and you can either go with the grain or you can go against the grain. It, it's to give us understanding in the way things are meant to be. And, and then in verse 2, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. Wisdom is not just a, a principle, it's also a moral order. It, it's a moral structure to it. So when you see somebody cheating or lying and, and they get caught and they pay the consequences, that's wisdom at work. Because wisdom says dishonest people pay the price for their dishonesty. Because God has designed us to live in a certain way and to relate to one another in a certain way. That's wisdom that God is going to instruct us in. And it describes the, the ways of living and relating to one another that either lead to life and flourishing or death and languishing. And then in verse 4, it, Wisdom is to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to youth. Wisdom is a kind of skill that we learn from others and can actually grow in. Wisdom is applied knowledge. We learn from those who have gone before us, from parents. So it's a word to the simple and to the unlearned, to, to grow in skill. Uh, the, the word for wisdom that appears in the Bible that shows up here in this passage, it, it shows up back in Exodus when God is gifting people to help Moses in building the tabernacle. Wisdom is their craftsmanship. It's their ability to do well what God has called them to do. Wisdom is like being a stonemason who knows how to take a chisel and apply it to a piece of stone and make a beautiful statue out of it. Solomon is saying that's what wisdom is. 
it, it, you craft your life the, the way a, a carpenter can craft a piece of wood. So wisdom is more than just factual information. It's understanding. It's making sense of things and situations and, and having perspective. So uh, on the one hand, you could say this, you know, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. And wisdom is knowing that you don't put it in a fruit salad. And then philosophy is wondering, does that mean ketchup is a smoothie? You can ponder that one. Old Testament scholar Jack Collins puts all, pulls all this together and puts it this way. Wisdom is skill in the art of godly living. It's not a formula. It's not a science. As we're going to see as we get into this book, there are descriptions of the way things usually go, the way things ought to go, but it's not an ironclad guarantee. There's an art to it. But it's an art about godly living that we grow in skill. So we want to come to God to find this kind of wisdom, to grow in that kind of skill. And that's the second thing that Solomon is saying here. Follow the way to wisdom. Understand the nature of wisdom and then follow the way into that wisdom. Look in verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Did, did you catch that in verses 5 and 6? The people who are already wise should hear and grow in their learning. The wise person listens. The, the wise person is trying to get more knowledge and wisdom to, to gain from what others know. In contrast, sadly, in the end of verse 7, to fools who despise wisdom, who despise instruction and discipline. Solomon says that the wise person knows that they don't know everything they need to know already. A wise person will acquire more learning. And that means the wise person knows I have never arrived. As long as I am still living in this body, I will never get to the point where I stop growing in wisdom, where I stop needing more wisdom. Solomon says to think that we've got it all figured out is the definition of foolishness. The truly wise have the humility to know that they still need to listen to counsel. And there's stuff that they don't yet understand. The wise understand that no one graduates. Wisdom is a lifelong pursuit. So we could sort of summarize this to say, what is that way of wisdom? It is a teachable spirit. The way to grow in wisdom is to have a teachable spirit. Look in verses 8 and 9. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So right there, we're, we're getting some of this imagery that, that we're going to come back to through Proverbs, these vivid word pictures. But what he's saying is what we all understand. We begin life not knowing anything. 
right? Like we're, we're not born knowing how to feed ourselves, how to tie our shoes, how to read, how to walk, how to say please and thank you, how to read a book. Our parents have to teach us. Wise people who know more than we do teach us, and that goes on for our whole lives. Having a teachable spirit is, I think we'd probably all agree, a quality that is in short supply in our culture. Because we're all kind of living in a world that is defined by saying, I know. I know, I know, and you don't need to tell me because I've got it all figured out and I have nothing that I need to learn from you. And yet, being teachable and knowing that we don't know as much as we think is the key to wisdom, Solomon says. Uh, some of you may be familiar with the TV show, The Office. Uh, there's a scene where two of the characters, Michael and Dwight, are driving in a car together to, to go to a client meeting, and they're not really sure how to get where they're supposed to be, so they're trying to follow the GPS as it's guiding them around this lake along these back roads, and the GPS says, turn right, and Michael is about to turn the car and says, Dwight, no, no. Dwight says, no, that, that means bear right across this bridge, and, and the road is up there on the right where, where the sign is. And Michael says, no, it's saying turn right here. There's a shortcut. And Dwight's saying, no, no you, you can't turn here. There's literally a lake. And, and Michael's saying, stop yelling at me. The machine knows what it's talking about. And Michael drives off a boat ramp into a lake because he couldn't learn from Dwight. Because Dwight was his subordinate. And Michael was convinced that he knew everything he needed to know. And, and he had the knowledge that was going to get them where they needed to be. Wisdom is a willingness to be corrected, to be instructed. It's receiving guidance from people who know more than we do. And, you know, honestly, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm willing to let God give me wisdom and guidance. It's, you know, I just don't want wisdom and guidance from those people. Who are the people on your list that you cannot receive wisdom or instruction from? That's worth thinking about. Because a teachable spirit not only allows instruction, but seeks it from others, intentionally looks for wisdom. In many ways, being teachable could simply be boiled down to humility. For all our knowledge that we have, you know, with the devices that we carry around, cell phones that give us instant access to the sum of all human knowledge, it doesn't really matter if we're not willing to be taught. And we're not willing to admit how much we don't really understand. Solomon brings all this together in verse 7. What is the beginning of knowledge? What is the core of wisdom? It is the fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahweh. Solomon is saying, seek the real source of wisdom. Seek the source of wisdom. For God's people, for anyone to be wise, the source comes from this, recognizing I am not God, and I am not at the center. That's what fear of Yahweh really means. It's not dread. It's not terror. God's not saying be scared of him. Fear of the Lord means awe and reverence. Another way to put it is saying to fear God is to understand who he is and who we are in comparison. 
He is the Lord and we're not. And our culture encourages us and we tend to want to put ourselves at the center and make ourselves the measure and the standard and put everything around me. Fear of the Lord means I'm removing myself from the center of my universe and putting myself in a position of awe and reverence and worship and wonder towards the one who really is at the center and belongs at the center. That is the source, the center of true wisdom. It is God who is at the center. I am dust, and to dust I will return. I am finite. I am foolish. I am flawed. I am fallible. To know who God is and who I am in relationship to him is fear of the Lord. The source of wisdom is godly fear. It's a healthy perspective of who God is. It, it is respect. It is reverence for God. It, it is awe of him. It, it is amazement that, that he would actually condescend to let us know him and communicate wisdom and instruction to us. It, it, it's gratitude for the flourishing and the joy and the life that God gives to us as we walk in his ways and obey his truth. We must see God and see ourselves rightly to be wise. That's what Solomon's saying. See him as creator. See God as king. See him as powerful and loving and good. See him as glorious. See him as worthy of worship and trust and obedience and awe. And then you're on the way to wisdom, Solomon says. That, that's the source of all wisdom. Because to fear God actually takes away all the other fears in your life. Does that make sense? When I have God in the right place and I see how big and awesome and glorious and wise he is, that tells me what do I have to fear? God is bigger than any problem I'm facing. God is wiser than any solution or difficulty that's in front of me. God is with me in it all. Oswald Chambers put it this way. The, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you don't fear God, you fear everything. The source of wisdom is godly fear, knowing who God is and who we are. What do we do with this? A couple of suggestions. Maybe with, by yourself with the Lord or, or with some family or friends, maybe just take this section that we've looked at this morning, these first nine verses, some of the major thoughts, some of the major words, insight, wisdom, the Lord, fear, instruction. Take some time to just sort of chew on them, to meditate on them, to talk about them together, to reflect on what they mean, what they're saying to us. Maybe you identify a situation in your life where you're stuck. There's some cycle you keep repeating. There, there's a, a dynamic with someone else. There's a relationship issue that you don't know how to solve. There's a decision that you don't know what to do with. Remember, we just finished this study in the book of James, and you recall what he says in chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, what should we do? Ask the Lord, 
believing that he gives wisdom freely without finding fault. He gives it generously to us. So that thing that's got you confused, that that you're worried or concerned or uncertain about, have you asked God about it? From this perspective, seeking his wisdom, relying on him as the source. One other practical suggestion is that as we go through this study over the next 10 weeks or so, you could take one chapter of Proverbs a day because there's 31 chapters in this book. So whatever day of the month it is, read that chapter of the book of Proverbs and you'll go through Proverbs over the course of this series a couple of times at least. Because it's a book that's, you know, again, it's, it's not history. It's, it's wise reflections. So you don't have to necessarily sit down and read through the whole thing at once. In fact, that may not even be a good way to read through Proverbs. They're meant to be things that you just sort of read through, tuck in your head, come back to them, mull over them, reflect on them. Maybe as you go through this reading one chapter a day for the next couple of three months, out of each of those chapters, take one of those Proverbs, write it down, reflect on it, meditate it, memorize it, and keep coming back to it. Solomon ended up being the wisest, wealthiest, most powerful, most well-known king Israel ever had. I mean, it's recorded in the Bible that he spent his whole life collecting wisdom and insight from any source that he could find it and writing it down, writing the best of the best to pass on to to us and to anyone who will read it in this book of Proverbs. And with all that wisdom, Solomon made a terrible mess of his life. His foolishness was to reject all of the wisdom that he had collected, that God had already told him about how kings were supposed to rule. Yes, oh, God blessed him with wealth and power and fame, and he built it on the backs of slaves, and he constructed store cities just like Pharaoh. He got hundreds of women and thousands of horses and chariots, exactly what God commanded kings not to do. He was counted wiser than anyone else in the world, but in many ways he was a fool because he knew the wisdom, he just didn't do anything with it. We need more than knowledge. We need more even than wisdom. We need a Savior. We need help. We need someone greater than Solomon. Do you see a parallel here to God coming to Solomon and and saying, tell me what you want and I will grant it to you. And Jesus instead taking the path of suffering and self-denial in the wilderness for 40 days, seeking his father and Satan coming and tempting him and saying, you can have it all. I'll give it to you all. Wealth, fame, power, worship, just acknowledge me as your Lord. And Jesus says, no, no, no. To love the Lord is better than all of that. Jesus is the faithful, wise king who is able to say one greater than Solomon is here. The book of Proverbs is good news for bad people. It's 
hopeful news for failed people. It is wisdom for fools. This book is Jesus coming to us in the person of wisdom as our wise counselor, as our king, as our Lord, as our friend, as our mentor. Jesus is the wisdom by whom the Father created the heavens and the earth. By him all things were made, and in him all things hold together. And he offers us not just wisdom, but life. That's what God wants to give you. Proverbs is not a bunch of tips to get life to work for you. You can read it that way, and life will probably go better for you than if you ignore God's wisdom. But ultimately, wisdom is a person, a person that you can know, that you need to know. Wisdom is Jesus Christ. And in relationship with him, you can be made right with God, with others, with the whole creation around you and learn how to live in a way that is truly wise and truly life-giving. That is wisdom. That's what God wants you to get. And as you fear and trust and obey Him and walk with Him, He will start to produce in you wisdom that is life. Oh, trust Him. Seek Him. Follow Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wisdom to us. In this word, in all your word, and in Jesus, the living word. Oh, Father, would you help us be a people who are constantly seeking and receiving wisdom that comes from you, that comes from a position of fearing you in the right way. You are the source of all wisdom. You are the skilled builder and creator and sustainer, and you've woven your wisdom into the fabric of the universe in our lives. So, Father, pour out wisdom on us as we seek you so that we and anyone else that encounters your wisdom, that encounters us, would see you and be drawn to you and walk with you. We love you, Lord. Grow us in wisdom as we love and trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.